Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode number 28, entitled The Darkness Within, in which I'll be examining issue number 24. So, I just was looking for a title, and The Darkness Within seemed to make sense. Uh, It's not the greatest, but it works. Um, anyways, stick around, and after these messages, we'll dive into issue number 24. Today we'll be uh, exploring New Moon's issue number 24, The Hollow Heart. And as usual, we're going to dive right into an uh, examination of the creative team really quick. Uh, obviously, Chris Claremont's still in the book, writing... Zinkevich is doing the art. We have Glynis Wynn as colorist and Orzachewski and his uh, wife, Luis Bohalis. Um, she's done, ex- she's also a letterer, so he's married to a- another letterer and she's helping him out on this book. She's done ex- some lettering for both Marvel and DC. She's, she's a pretty uh, familiar name in. Uh, in Marvel and uh, DC Comics, in, in co- the comic industry uh, in general. So it's kind of cool that we have that pairing on this book. Uh, we have Nascenti still doing uh, editorial duties, and Jim Shooter is still editor-in-chief. So that is our creative team. Um, and let's not hesitate any longer. Let's dive right in into uh, issue number 24. So this issue picks up right where the last issue left off. We hit the ground running. The very first splash page, we have this ominous, well, more than ominous, I'd say terrifying, dark shadow looming over Moyer, who is crouched next to Professor Xavier's body that is still smoking from the blast he'd received from this shadowy being. And if you heard the last episode or if you'd read the last issue, you know this shadow figure is Roberto. And this is no longer a figure. It is a shadow. And it's engulfing the infirmary. It's devouring the infirmary. These crazed eyes and this, like, just erratic, strainy, bright light. I assume it's supposed to be, like, a resemblance of hair and these jagged teeth. And they, they, they're, it appears as though this is lunging towards uh, Xavier, uh, and Moira and Moira pleads pleads with Roberto she she's you know she wants to know what's wrong you know why 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 is he doing this and what what's happened and and he tells her that he hungers he hungers like he's never hungered before like he's never been satisfied there's something missing in him and he devours light and it's just never enough the more he consumes the more he hungers and she is so bright and beautiful her glow is so beautiful he wants to reach out and grab her but he has no hands to do that with He's a, just this amorphous blob of darkness, and it's just slowly consuming the room. And it, it, what we're going to find out very quickly is why this is happening. But this the shadow is accompanied by the big those black bubbles that usually kind of 
float off of his body that that indicate like his his sons that kind of give meaning to his nickname sunspot he's usually a silhouette of blackness with little balls of black bubbling off his body well we have those little balls of black you know floating off of off of the shadow form and these tendrils reach out for moira she know he tells her he need, she needs to leave. She should flee. She needs to go. He doesn't want to harm her, but he can't resist this. It's too powerful. This this hunger in him is too strong, and it this light reaching out to the light is the only thing that that subdues the pain within him at all. So he's at an immense amount of pain, and can't prevent from hurting the people around him. Now. Moira thinks to herself, she does know she should run, but she can't leave Charles Xavier. She once loved this man. It was her first true love, and she can't leave him. So she stays, and as he's just about to begin, he's beginning to pull the life force from Moira and and beginning to envelop her into his dark, this dark mass of his body that has become his body, I shouldn't say of his body, that has become his body, or his body has become this big black shadow. The door opens and there stands Rain. And she, <clears throat> you know, she she demands to know what Roberto's doing. And he just, his body begins to shrink up again. It, it becomes more of a figure again. And he he's overjoyed. He's excited. He's exuberant. He says, the light, blessed Madonna. I've never dreamed there could be so, so much. And... Moira yells for her, uh, him to stay away from her child. You know, he call, she calls Rain her child because essentially Moira's adopted Rain. She is essentially Rain's mother now, and she's very protective of of, of Rain. And and Rain, uh, she tells Rain to stay away from him. That you know, she, they're gonna have to sound the alarm and summon the X Men. But Rain could be hurt horribly, and Rain tells her not to worry and and she begins to transform and she transforms into that beautiful elegant redhead and her clothes aren't ripped but she's fits this oversized um coat and this i guess green evening gown fits her body now like like a glove like it just accentuates all of her curves um in this panel and she says she tells Roberto to take her light and she gives it freely. It'll heal him. It'll put him at peace. And Moira's unbelieve, uh, just in shock and awe. She can't believe what she's seeing. She asks Xavier, who's finally beginning to come to, if, if he sees this. And what, wh- you know, what is this new incarnation of Reigns? And he says he doesn't know. She's just this glowing, white, hot light, though. And it radiates the room. And as this light is just... Roberto can continue his his form just continues to consume it and the more and more light he takes in the more and more the shadow is 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 reduced and we begin to see Roberto turning into his normal self we see the form of Roberto and and the sunspot form his human silhouette form dark although still still black so he's in his sunspot form but it's a silhouette of a human being, a silhouette of Roberto, and he returns to that. He's still in his mutant. Mut- he's still 
utilizing his, his mutant abilities or he's still a dark shadow but it's at least a silhouette of a human being and Moira and, and Rain goes to him and holds him and tells him you know you know you know neither of them really knows what's happening and Roberto's scared and she tells him she doesn't know you know exactly what's going on and wants to help him she holds him and and, and in this moment where they finally things have kind of been brought under control and Rain has control of the situation who should arrive but Sam and Danny and Sam leaps towards Roberto he calls to Bobby and he moves uh Rain tells uh them both to stay away that they're scaring Roberto and they both know kind of what's going on they they found out last issue that Rain and and Bobby were were basically had had taken this place of cloak and dagger Cloak and Dagger are now depowered. They're normal humans again. And now Rain and Bobby have been cursed with their powers. And they're not interested in helping. That is Clo- Tandy and and uh, Cloak and Dagger. Those two characters are no longer interested in helping, helping the new mutants solve this problem. And as <clears throat> Sam's trying to He's moving towards them, telling Bobby to calm down, to relax. They're here to help. They don't mean him any harm. And uh, Rain's telling him to listen, but he, he doesn't. He wants to be left alone. And he he yells for that to be you know for them to leave him alone. And and he teleports. Uh, Rain and himself away, and they realize that's a power that Cloak possessed this ability to teleport and you know they don't know if they're going to be able to find him they go check on xavier and they, they want to know if he's all right and he says it's all right i'm fine but what we got to do is figure out where these two went and what's going on I, I need to know and you're gonna to have to let me read your minds and they're both not excited about that and this is probably one of the best moments of Best, I really enjoy these two panels, these, these couple of panels here, because usually Xavier's just running through people's minds. He no consent, no no worrying, you know, no no desire to worry about what potential issues that would create, whether somebody would want that or not. He just does it, and he does it without any uh, forethought or, or or consideration of what these other people that he's engaging would would want, what their desires might be. And here he he he. He essentially asked for consent. Uh, and I'll just read you these this, these couple panels. Uh, he, he needs, you know, he, he says, um, Sam, he tells, so he tells them that he needs to, them to open their minds to let him, to, to, so he can try to figure out as much as he possibly can. And, and Sam says, couldn't we just tell you, sir? That could take too long, and you might unwittingly omit something important. I understand your reluctance, Sam. I do not ask this lightly. But two lives, dear to us, are at stake. Will you allow your fear of my telepathic powers to contemn them? And they consent, essentially. They don't rise any more concern he opens their, he uses his mind, he reaches out and he touches his students' minds and he finds out, he, we get a rundown here of everything he learns through his students and some of this he already knew. Some of this we knew because we've covered uh, the Marvel Annual Team Up 
the Marvel team up annual number uh, uh, number six, where we saw uh, what happened with Roberto and and Rain. But we also get a little more information as to how Cloak and Dagger came to be. We get a brief synopsis that they were two regular kids who were injected with a drug. They developed these powers. They then decided that they were going to rid the wharfs and the the the, the city of these. Uh, criminals and protect these innocent children who had been targeted by these drug lords. Uh, it gives us a synopsis really quickly of how Rain and Bobby had been, or yeah, Rain and Bobby had had been captured and injected with this same synthetic drug or similar drug that had, in an effort for these criminals to to have their own cloak and daggers that would be more likely to follow their their directions, uh, and how. Cloak and Dagger had tried to purge the drug from their systems and how everyone thought that had been successful, but it ended up a couple years later or a year later, they, they manifested, they began turning into these monsters again and how Sam and Bobby had tracked the Cloak and Dagger to this hospital and confronted them and, and they now know that they won't help them. All this, Xavier learns from his students. And we see a beautiful splash page here uh, from Zinkevich that dictates that story. And we get a great note from Anacetti, uh recap, courtesy of Cloak and Dagger, uh, miniseries one through four, uh, mutant, uh, Marvel, t- uh, Marvel team up, annual number six, and the new mutants number 23. Uh, that's a note from Anzacenti, and that looks as though it's done in two different pens, two different uh, writing styles. It looks like we've got uh, the style that is probably uh, Orzechewski, and then we got his wife as well, it looks like here. I might be wrong about that, but it kind of looks like there's two different pen, two two different handwritings. Um, but anyways, that's the note. So we get all of the information. You could go and you could track down those books. It's great. I love it when they provide those footnotes. It's one of my favorite things. Love it when editors provide footnotes. Anyways, all this is said and done. And they also, you know, they're they they're talking about this now after Xavier's gotten all the information and they and and they're talking about how the kids, these students, Bobby and Rain, Roberto and Rain, uh attacked Cloak and Dagger and apparently stole their powers. Cloak and Dagger no longer have their abilities. And uh, they were at the hospital. They don't want to help, as I'd said. And Xavier says, well, we got to track our, you know, these students down. We've got to try. And Sam was concerned that maybe they can't cure them. And Xavier just says, one problem at a time, Sam. All we can do is worry about the first thing, and that's finding Rain and Bobby. And then we'll worry about curing them. But we've got to hope. Hope's the only thing we've got. If we lose that, then what's the point? And that's kind of where this scene ends. Elsewhere, Roosevelt Hospital, west side of Manhattan. Tandy Bowen and Ty Johnson are have have fled the hospital. They they are trying to blend into the crowd and and disappear. That's the idea. Tandy Tandy's concerned that that they haven't helped the new mutants. The new mutants have helped them and uh, at one point saved them actually. And and Tandy's not sure that they should be fleeing their friends. That they should should try to help their friends. And 
Ty, he's of the opinion that they're cured. And that pain, he doesn't ever want to go back to it. He doesn't ever want harm to come to either one of them. He has feelings for for uh, Tandy. And he'll do anything to protect her. And so they're going to disappear. That's his plan. He doesn't want to be found. He doesn't want to be taken back. He doesn't want to have to take back the power that he once had. He doesn't want to become Cloak again. Um, there are some people who... Some of the reviews I've read online of this... Uh, I'm just going to take this moment uh, to, to bring this up. There's some, peop- there's some uh, people who have reviewed this arc, and, and they're not big fans of it. And... You know, if you're not interested uh, in in Cloak and Dagger, I understand why. Um, and they are, are fairly one-dimensional characters. They were never fleshed out very well. Um, Claremont, I think, does a good job with characters that uh, really hadn't... Uh, hadn't... had much development. I guess. I think he's done a fantastic job here. I really like what he and Sinkevich are trying to do. Um and and in my opinion, like especially the last issue in this arc, uh issue uh twenty three, um, where we saw like Sam and and uh Danny working together to solve a mystery. Like it was laid out as though it was a mystery. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed um what Claremont brought us there uh one of the complaints though i do notice uh i and and maybe rightfully so is this story doesn't push zinkevich like some other stories do like to have it bookend between uh starts we we start zinkevich's run uh with the demon demon bear saga and then immediately following that we jump into this this story arc with cloak and dagger and then following the cloak and dagger story arc we are confronted with legion and i mean when you pair zinkevich when you when you compare this arc with those two other arcs it it doesn't hold a candle to either one that is sir for sure you know what zinkevich is able to do with the other two arcs you know, it's just monumental work. You know, but I do I do enjoy seeing his take on Roberto's uh, manifestation of the powers when it's his powers when they're corrupted by this drug. I like to see how he draws this all enveloping shadow, and I like to see how he does um, certain design aspects on Roberto and and Rain, but mostly Roberto. Um, it may not have challenged him in the way that those other arcs do, but I, I don't think that this is a bad story. I mean, if we take it back and compare it to when New Mutants was trying to find its legs, there were times, there were stories I thought that were weaker um, than than this. So I, I'm a fan of this. I, I think it's good. It's certainly not the best arc that was ever conceived conceived of but i think it's good i think it's good and i think it it deserves uh some some uh praise just that's my personal opinion um so yeah uh i think like i said i think it's it's good it is it's a solid story so uh anyways diving back in that aside uh um yeah let's let's i guess i'll just refocus here um so yeah, Tandy and Ty Johnson, they're they're trying to escape. They 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 don't want to be found. Uh, certainly Ty doesn't. 
candy seemed a little on the fence. But 1,300 miles away to the south, in the heart of the Bermuda Triangle. And you guessed it, it's Octopusheim. Um, Magneto and Lee Forrester are still there. And uh, Lee is sitting at at the dock where they where they I assume disembarked from her boat and she is uh just admiring the the moon um and just sitting thinking apparently and Magneto approaches her and she said you know she tells him that he should be asleep she's concerned he needs to rest uh cuz he he did you know, he's he's recovering from injuries, as we saw from the last issue. Um, but he he tells her he couldn't. And he and he compliments her. He says she looks lovely. She's changed. She changed into a dress that she'd found in a in in one of the uh chests on the island. So it's not hers and she, she goes on for a bit about how you know, what she thinks of, what what it you know, just her her connection to this place and her fascination with it. And and she thanks him for the, his compliment, and he tells her that he really, you know, that it's more than, it's it's the truth. You know, he really is attracted to her. She He finds her very attractive. Um, and he, you know, he takes this moment, and it's hard for him, and it, it takes three panels. Um, and you can see the unease in his face. Sienkiewicz, I think, does a great job here um, of selling that, this, 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 like, long drawn out desire to uh apologize he he does he apologizes for having stripes having struck her um having hit her or pushed her or whatever he did he's 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 he uh in the last issue she had gone to to steady him as he was collapsing after he used his powers and he wasn't strong enough at that point and and she she went to steady him to help him and he he pushed her away, hit her, and pushed her away, and and told her that you know he didn't need any help, um, and he, and he's sorry for that. He tells her that he behaved like a fool, um, and he says he he asks her forgiveness and and walks away. And I love her. She doesn't you know she doesn't say anything. She's touching her lips, and she's thinking about this. Uh, and we see through her thought bubbles exactly what she's thinking. And I'll just read what she says, or what she's thinking. I'll bet that's the first time the master of magnetism apologized to anyone, much less a lowly human. There may be hope for him yet. And this is, like I said last issue, and again, people complain about, you know, I've seen complaints uh, by reviewers, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But when you go back and just read this um, in the collection uh, without reference to the X-Men, other X-Books, something is lost. And if you were reading the X-Books when these were issues were coming out, you would, and if you were buying both the New Mutants and the X-Men... And going, you know, just reading the stories completely throughout, which you may have been at the time, uh, because it's the number. It was at the time. It was the number one selling Marvel book, right? It's the it's the comic that's selling, you know, just like gangbusters. Um, anyways, 
So what you're getting is this tapestry that Claremont's laying out between two books. And what he's doing is he's, he's bringing Magneto, he, he's, he's providing depth to this character, and he's laying the groundwork for Magneto to eventually, you know, join the X-Men. To, to become headmaster at the at at, at Xavier's school, whether that was enti- officially the plan or not, I I mean it's pretty obvious through interviews that Claremont had had that he wanted to make Magneto. He, he was bored with him. He wanted to do something different with Magneto to redeem Magneto. And this is the beginning. This is the seeds where we're starting to see that Magneto's becoming humanized here. He's he's being made. Uh, he's being filled out and that's going to allow Magneto to transition from this villainous X-Men villain to this evil from this evil character from this head of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to the headmaster of Xavier's school and this is the beginning of it and so without this issues down the road aren't possible so I, I, I'm fine with it. I think it's cool. I like it. I like seeing Magneto softened. I like seeing his edges softened. I, it makes him a more dynamic character if he's got the potential to be good. It makes him, rather than just evil, it makes him an, a, a, a point on this scale of possible options for the characters that are, that are trying to deal with humanity. Mutants that are trying to deal with humanity, right? There's Xavier's solution. There's Magneto's solution. There's Freedom Force's solution. There's the Hellfire Club's solution. And they all have their different places on the scale. But Magneto's is much more understandable than maybe the Hellfire's Club's. Or even than, like, Emma Frost's. Or... Because because we're seeing he's gonna Claremont's gonna fill it out. He's gonna explain it very much uh, through these issues, through this, through the New Mutants books, and through the Uncanny X Men title. He's going to explain why Magneto is doing what he's doing, and that's gonna allow his character to become sympathetic, which then allows him to be, you know, moved from villain to ally of the X Men. I think it's great and wonderful, and I applaud it. So that's just my, like I said, last, you know, this is my opinion. Uh, and maybe you see it differently, and that's okay. But I, I you know, I'm never going to probably say anything too harsh about the New Mutants because it's my favorite it, comic. Uh, but when, when, it, when I think it's gone astray, I'll be quick to condemn it because it's my favorite comic. <laughs> but anyways, uh, let's, let's continue. St. Anne's Church, Manhattan's Lower East Side. Father Bowen, he's a familiar character. We've, we've seen him before. He was in the Marvel team-up annual number six, and uh, he is the ward currently of Shane Coy Man's um, siblings, Leong, Zi, Zhao, Man, and Naga. The twins, um, he's he's watching over them. They live with him. They help out in the cathedral. He is also a relative of Tandy Bowen, if you hadn't picked it up by the last name. 
I believe he's her uncle, and he <clears throat> he's been help he'd been helping Cloak and Dagger. Now, uh, Roberto and Rain teleport into the cathedral, and obviously he is startled by this, but he quickly realizes that one the, he he recognizes Roberto almost right off. He he does not recognize Rain, however, she is still in that uh, very beautiful transformation of a woman. Long red hair, very uh, attractive lady. It's familiar, she's familiar to Michael Bowen, to to Father Bowen, but, uh, and and the voice, he, he guessed it's Rain, so he does know who they are. Roberto's in rough shape, he is struggling, he feels you know he's he he's he's really struggling to hold it together and father bowen he he calls he tells the kids to grab his first aid kit as as roberto collapses to the floor this is i find this comical because um i mean maybe it's a normal thing you'd do you'd get the first aid kit um but if xavier's high um extremely high tech infirmary couldn't find the answers. I doubt a little first aid kit in the church is going to do that. But anyways, uh, he he calls for that. Now we are transported to the we the readers are transported to the to the port authority bus terminal, where Tandy and Ty are talking about their future. And Ty is pretty upset. He's pretty down in the dumps. He he doesn't see much to be excited about as much as he's the one who chose to run from the hospital he's the one who chose to leave the new mutants high and dry he doesn't see a future where he can be happy his stutters back um when he's cloak when he has the power of cloak he he doesn't stutter his communication's smooth he feels powerful he uh is domineering and imposing as ty johnson the human he stutters, he's clumsy, he is awkward, he is poor, he is part of, uh, <clears throat> he doesn't have a place in the world except for uh, this poor upbringing that he had. He wasn't wealthy, he he was destitute. And Tandy, she's from Ohio, she was from a wealthy family, she has plenty to go back to, and he just doesn't see how there's a place for him in her life anymore. And she tells him that she tries to reassure him, telling him that they're friends, that you know, that they're that they'll always be friends, that she cares about him, and he and he, you know, he points out that their lives are two different lives, that he that's just not likely, and <clears throat> he's just down, he's just really down. Now a pimp who'd been in the Port Authority, he he approaches them, and he and he's trying to get Tandy to come to work for him, saying that he can take care of her, that, you know, things will be okay if she just, you know, listens to him and comes with him. And uh, Ty stands up to him and says, beat it, get out of here, you know, we don't want anything to do with you, you're scum. And he's like, okay, brother, and he's like, and Ty just, you know, erupts at him, like, you're not my, we're not, related we have nothing like i have no interest in being anything like you and the pimp walks away and you know he wants to confront this guy because this guy's going over to some young kids some young women and he's gonna you know he's gonna try to ensnare them in his his mischievous plans to you know uh deflower young women i guess and 
And Ty's up, extremely upset about this. He wants to stop it, but Tandy points out that with they're, they're, they, they need to leave. They can't confront him. They don't have their powers. And, you know, it, it's, <clears throat> it's great because, you know, they've made a choice. They made a choice, at least Ty did, to, to leave the hospital and to, to, to forget their powers. But that's how he protected the people that he felt needed protecting was through his powers, through his abilities. And now he's at left to just walk away, to turn his back on these kids that need help. The people that he'd fought for, that he'd protected, he's now turned his back on. And uh, that's all we see, because we are going to jump back to St. Anne's. And Roberto has recovered somewhat. He's sitting, and and Father Bowen is sitting next to him. And and Roberto's confessing. He's confessing that he's consumed by darkness, you know, that that he's just completely being devoured, and and he doesn't know what to do. And he feels hopeless, and he feels guilty because he's he's killed Peter Rasputin. And... <clears throat> Rain Rain tells him no that's not true you you didn't I've when we teleported here I felt his his light I felt his goodness inside inside the darkness uh, that that enveloped us and teleported us, to, uh, us here he's still alive and she knows how to how to bring him back and Roberto doesn't want to do this because it requires him to turn back into the dark shadow that he was and Rain Rain they both know they have to, and so he relents. Now, Roberto realizes the only way to save Peter is, is to, to listen to Rain. He, he knows that he's got to trust Rain, and he, and he has every reason to at this point, right? Like, she hasn't led him astray. She's actually helped him contain himself, helped him uh, pull himself together, right? She is this radiant light that... Is, that satisfies this this hunger for for uh in him and he has really at this point she's the only one that he can trust and so well he yes you know he he he, he's he's just gotta trust that she's right and so they both transform he transforms into a sunspot form and and the trouble with this is he loses himself he, he his black his his sunspot form this black silhouette figure uh begins to consume the area, the light around him right now rain has been able to hold that at bay but with her transformed into a wolf form and and leaping into the sh- the shadow that is roberto's uh you know body basically you know who knows what the outcome will be, but at the same time, Peter's life is on the line. Colossus's life is on the line. Now, Rain, like I said, she transforms into silver, uh, white wolf form and, and dives in, jumps in. And in, once she really is in, inside this darkness consumed by Roberto's, uh, just darkness, she realizes that that once really bl- bright life light of, Colossus is, is, is has dimmed. It's not as strong as it once was, and she knows she's got to get him out. Now we also see, uh, thanks to Sinkevich's art, 
uh, and and the storytelling, we we see what this experience was like for for Colossus, right? And so this darkness, it's an empty, cold place, and it is visualized for Colossus as though he's in a desert. And Claremont, as the narrator, describes Colossus as a farmer, someone who's really tied to the land and, and life and growth and, and, and plant development. And for him to be lost in this desert, it's extremely dry, hopeless, lifeless. And he's alone, right? And he is, he's, he's, beginning to lose hope. His, he, he picks up sand and it runs through his fingers. This land is barren. It is, it is not for uh, life whatsoever. There's nothing that grows here. And he looks up and he sees Kitty, Katya, Katya, Kitty, Kitty Pride, his first love. And he goes to her, and she, she actually, he's on his hands and knees. He's looking up at her. He sees her. He calls her name, and she begins to walk towards him. And every step of the way, a garden of, of plants, grass, flowers, everything just erupts from the ground. She, everywhere she steps, the more she steps, the more of an oasis and garden of Eden-like she creates. And she reaches her hand out to Colossus, and he's reaching out to her, and it he feels hope, like it's going to be okay. His first love, the woman he loves, is here. She's going to save him. But out of nowhere, a third woman appears, a second, third person appears, another woman, and this is Zaja. And for those of you who have read The Secret Wars, you will remember her as a healer on this battle world. And it is someone Colossus fell desperately in love with. He actually had sexual relations with this woman, uh, cheated on Kitty with her. And that's what really is part, part of the reason that their relationship fell apart. And he sees Zaja here and he goes to her, he embraces her and Kitty is horrified. She holding out her arms in her face she she see it's 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 wounded betrayal she's forgotten unnoticed she is left and her heart breaks and as this occurs through the narration we see her body begin to deteriorate decay in the forest the luscious green garden that had erupted around her and behind her also crumbles to dust just as Kitty does. And Peter realizes this all too late. He looks back and screams her name, Kitty. And he's still holding Zaja. And she crumbles in her in his arms as well. He's alone. He clump collapses back into the darkness. He is lost. He he's losing hope. And Rain realizes she has to get him out now. It's it before it's too late. Um, and it's really a great scene, you know. It really, uh, he's, he's, he realizes what he's done because he's lost, he hurt his love for this woman, this forbidden woman, this woman that had then ended up dying. It hurt the one woman that he loved. Every person he loves, he hurts, right? And he, he thinks that maybe the others were right. 
that what was going on with Zaja wasn't true love. It was lust. And his inability to stay strong, to, to resist that, destroyed his relationship with Kitty and hurt the one person he did love. Now, thankfully, Rain is able to lift him, picks him up, and she carries him back out of Roberto's darkness. And she fights to free herself and pulls free um, and she is greeted by her fellow teammates, the new mutants. They've found him, right? Xavier, he's able to track mutants, and he tracks Roberto and, and Rain to, the, to St. Anne's. And he, <clears throat> you know, he, he reassures Rain. He first, as she's coming out of Roberto's darkness, the shadow, he he tells her, "Bravo, well done, child," right? And he reassures her that they're not here to fight her. They're they're their friends. They're there to help. They'll do whatever they have to to help them. Um, and you know, after like as all this is kind of unfolding, Roberto collapses. He he reverts to his human form, and so does Rain. She transforms from that beautiful, elegant woman to her childlike form. And she runs towards Xavier, embracing him in a hug. And he kneels down to, to, to hold her, to give her a giant hug. And she's telling him she's so scared. She wants to go home. And, you know, she wants Xavier to make him better. And he, he tells her he will. He'll do his best. Uh, and he tells her not to cry, that it'll be all right. And we get this excellent bit of narration um, from Claremont. And I'm just going to read it because I, I think it's great. I really do. His has been a lonely existence, mostly by choice. Charles Xavier never has never known a child's desperate need or been the object of its pure, un- unqualified, unrestrained love faced with it now. He discovers himself responding to his surprise, not as a teacher, or mentor, but a father. And the thing that's great about the New Mutants, I'm just going to take this moment as an aside, the thing that's great about the New Mutants is its reframing of Charles Xavier. Right? We've seen him as a mentor. We've seen him as a teacher. We've seen him as a manipulator. We've seen him, in some ways, as not the ideal, this great savior of the mutant race we've seen him manipulate you know students we've seen him do some pretty horrid things um to people that are in his care and his charge we've seen him uh you know fake his own death we've we've seen some things that aren't the greatest from him we've seen him using his mental abilities to manipulate people to do the things they want he wants them to we've seen a lot of things that maybe color who this man is but in the new mutants, he, he, he isn't those things. Like we saw last issue, um, or this issue earlier, him asking for consent before he used his mental abilities on, and, on Sam and, 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 and Danny. And 
we're, we're seeing his desire to protect these students, to ensure that they know how to use their abilities, but they're not destined to be X-Men. That's not his goal for them necessarily. And we see that he actually does really genuinely care, that they're not just a tool in his obscene ego-driven uh, desire to find a way to live with humans uh, and fight mutants. Like, it's very much a a fatherly role that he is he's fulfilling and it's nice to see him uh in such a kind warm uh gentle space but anyways let's let's not hesitate to continue S- meanwhile elsewhere in new york city we find tandy and uh and tyrone still wandering the streets of new york um and they really don't know what to do Tyrone, uh, he's not sure what to do. He's stuck in a hard spot. He doesn't want to go back to being Cloak because it's a miserable existence. He's always hungry. He's always in pain. He's always struggling. And the only thing that satisfies his urge is Dagger. But Dagger is everything that's beautiful and kind and generous and wonderful in the world. That's what he sees Tandy as when she's Dagger. So, of course, Tandy has no problem going back to that. But for him, it's misery. And nobody likes Cloak. Everybody hates him. He's he's everything that's horrible and ugly and disgusting about this world. And he doesn't want to be that embodiment anymore. But without Cloak... Tandy has no reason to stay, no reason to be around him. There's just nothing left. And he's feeling pretty goddamn hopeless. And Tandy, she points out to him, hey, Cloak and Dagger, you know, like we had said we were the champions of the kids, yet we've done nothing to help Rain and Roberto. And they're kids, they're younger than us, and we just let them suffer. And, you know, he's just not interested, you know, and he points out, you know, like he said, he's hungers as uh, as cloak, and it it's like a cancer that's consuming. It consumes consumes him. The more he uses his power, the more he wants to use it. It's like a, being a vampire or a junkie. And Tandy, she's not ready to walk away. She 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 wants to help Rain and Bobby. You know, if nothing else, to learn to help them find a cure. And for Tyrone, he sees this as he's either going to have to, he's got to make a choice. He either's going to lose himself by going back and helping, right? Lose himself to the darkness, or he's going to lose Tandy because she she's not willing to 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 not help. She's not going to run, and even if she did. She's not going to stay with him in the slums of New York. She's going to go and be with people like herself. She's going to go back to her wealthy life. Why would she want to stay with him? So he sees this as a lose-lose situation for himself. He really feels like he's his back's against the wall. Um, and I and I feel for him. Like his character's pretty. Like I haven't read a lot of Cloak and Dagger. Um, they're, honestly, they're not two characters that interested me too terribly. I mean, I I collected one of the miniseries I've been working on just because uh, it it's back when they were still kind of thought to be possibly mutants. That had been retconned away, 
when they're no longer mutants, my interest in collecting it drops drastically. And that being said, Claremont here is giving these characters a depth that makes them pretty goddamn interesting, at least sympathetic. And if if Claremont were to write this book, had written this book, Cloak and Dagger, I think there might have been a reason to collect it and read it. Uh, that's just my personal take. Like I said, I don't have a lot of experience, so maybe their their books are better. But from what I've heard, they're kind of uh, lacking some development and di- dimension, the characters, uh, and it, it makes it hard to, to find interest uh, in the characters. But maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, not a big expert on Cloak and Dagger. But what I'm seeing here, I, I enjoy. Back at St. Anne's, Roberto and Rain and, and Peter are all resting. Xavier's run some size scans, especially on Colossus, and he's, he's checking out, okay, he, he should be fine, he should recover. And uh, Xavier also takes this moment to chide Stan, Sam, who is now wearing a Lila Cheney uh, band shirt. And, uh, he, you know, he, he tells Sam that he, he should be dressed. He wants his students to dress uh, more formally than that, more appropriately. Uh, and Sam just says, yes, sir. And this all occurs in, through the tele- telepathic communication. He, he does this. He doesn't do it in public. He just does it that way. And Rogue is with them. She's, she's accompanying them. And, she tells Sam she loves the shirt and she loves Lila's movie music as well. And Sam says, thanks, Rogue. Sigh. So we kind of picked up here that we do know, in fact, that annual number one came before this. So it had to come after Slumber Party and before this arc started. So uh, that is where it belongs in, in timeline. There are a few holes in plot, but they're minor. And it doesn't change the fact that annual number one is an amazing story. And, yeah, so I'm okay with it. Anyways, everybody's kind of calmed down. They're trying to figure out what their next plan is. And before we get too much into discussion, we have another aside. And that's just one panel, and it's Ileana. And she is thinking to herself, she, she notices that in this hollowed ground, this church the sacred place, the demon sorcerer in her, the part of her that is that, hates being here. She feels like there are uh, somebody's scraping claws across the back blackboard. Um, And she would be long gone if it wasn't for Peter being in such a tough situation. She wants to be here for a big brother. Um, Now they're trying to figure out what to do. Xavier's done everything he can think to do. And he just doesn't understand what's happening. He kind of understands, to a degree, Rain's transformation, but she, he is completely lost as to what's happened with Roberto. He has no answers, and he's really struggling to figure it out. And he, in fact, he says, it would be fascinating to study this if, if Roberto's life and Rain's life weren't in the balance, if people weren't in the balance, but lives are. And so he's trying to decide what to do, and that's when Danny offers says, hey, maybe if I use my abilities, we can pull something out and we'll get a better idea of what's happening with Roberto. 
And Xavier's hesitant to let her do it, but she, you know, saying that it's too dangerous, she could hurt herself or, you know, it's too great a risk to her. And she says, you know, I understand it's a risk, but it's a risk I'm willing to take because they've done so much to help me. They've always been there for me. It's, it's my turn to repay that, and, I, and I'll take that risk. And so he's, he agrees. He, he, he lets her try this. His only stipulation is that she, she and he join to, you know, make, connect a psychic rapport between the two of them so he can be there to help in case she should, you know, the need should arise. So she reaches out with her mind and uh, does pull something forth from Roberto and it's shadow. It's just sheer darkness and it just envelops the room and envelops everyone in the room. And uh, Rain, who'd been asleep on the couch, she's she was not prepared. She wasn't ready to contra- counteract this. She would have had the chance to do that, but being she's too vulnerable now. She was sleeping, and she's in her childlike state, so she is not capable of putting up resistance and is pretty much overwhelmed by this, as is everybody else. The only person who seemed able to stand against it was Charles Xavier. He doesn't even seem to mind what's happening around him. All of a sudden, there's uh, blinding silver radiant slashes through the darkness. It's Ileana and her soul sword, the essence of her magical powers. And it's focused into this weapon, and she's able to slice through the darkness and hit Stanny as well, and that breaks... It, it creates a whip, uh, whiplash that breaks the connection between Danny and Roberto, and everything goes back to normal. The, the room is no longer dark. And Ileana thinks to herself that it felt just like she was when she was a child, felt like she was back as that child at Blasco's feet. And she realizes that everyone's still stunned in the room. And she was... She'd helped the X-Men and, and X-Men one. 8889 and uh there were these dark black creatures these these demonic creatures that she had fought and she had cured with her soul sword and <clears throat> she's wondering if she could use that same trick on Roberto and Rain and so she she's got a plan so when Ileana sliced Roberto she thought she was doing, she thought she'd guessed what Xavier had brought her for, that he knew that her, her sword had this ability, it was magical, and therefore it could break this connection. And so in the aftermath, with everyone stunned, she decides she's going to take Roberto and, and Rain to Limbo, where her magical abilities will allow her to, to do her best to remove this taint from the two of them. So she teleports them to Limbo, and she she does just that. She she creates a star, you know, a healing, a, a silver star on the ground, pentagram, and faces its its the base. And and Rain immediately realizes that facing the base of the star, that's that's by doing magic that way. She's she's do it conducting black magic. And Rain fights her tooth and nail as Ileana casts this spell, this exorcism spell to try to exorcise these two demons. And as Rain's fighting. The narrator hints that maybe it's this fight that Rain's putting up that actually causes a backlash of the spell, and it and it fails, and and instead this white light mixed with this darkness, it smashes into Ileana. It, it basically backlashes, and and it's it's been freed, 
these 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 power sources have been freed and they target the only person that isn't protected by the cell and that is Ileana and she is engulfed by this darkness and this light and it's it's extremely painful it creates so much agony for her and and since she's in tune with limbo and it's hers to rule it rises in ang- anguish too and she does everything she she can to fight to resist this and she looks down at as she after once she summons her her soul sword she looks down at it and half of it is black black as black can be and and she decides she has to do something so she she summons all of everything she has to 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 restore the sword and then herself and she looks down at her body and more of her body is now covered with that that silver armor and it's more more ornate too and she's trying to figure out she still doesn't really know what's happened with this armor why whenever she uses her magic more of it appears but it means something and she's and like i said she doesn't quite know what and she also knows that she failed at curing Roberto and Rain. And so she's got to just return. She's got to take them all back. And she knows she's going to get an earful from Xavier. She knows she's going to get in trouble. And Xavier, she is right, is very unhappy. And he, 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 <clears throat> he slaps his head. I love this art. This panel's great. There's this image that Zinkevich has put where he slaps his, head, his forehead with his hand like, duh, what are you doing, right? And he tells Ileana like that that was super irresponsible. How could she do that? He had everything under control, and his psychic connection with Danny was allowing him to get answers to these questions he didn't know anything about. And you know he's so angry that Ileana had interrupted that because now he's not sure that he's gonna be able to what he's gonna be able to do because he doesn't have all the answers. <clears throat> and. And it's all because she intervened. And Danny pipes up. She's like, you didn't tell anyone your plan besides me. So how is she to know? She was just trying to do what she could to, to help the situation. And he says he, he understands that, but that's no excuse. He, his whole point is to save Rain and Roberto. And he's not going to sacrifice any of the new mutants or anyone else in the process. And... In, and just as he's finishing this statement, in comes Tandy and Ty Johnson. And Ty says, that's only fair, sir. If you're going to sacrifice anyone, it should be us. So Tandy, Bowen, and Tyrone Johnson have returned. And they're going to do whatever they can to help Rain and Roberto. And the next issue is conclude and that'll be issue 25 it'll wrap up this story arc and yeah like i said you know in this that i think you know it's 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 a good story i think it's a solid story i really liked last issue i like how it was laid out like a mystery right where Sam and Daniel are trying to solve a mystery right and they're tracking the they're finding the clues to get answers and they get the answers um, there are some cool things in this issue. I really like the stuff with Magneto, as I've said. I like that his character is moving uh, more towards uh, a heroic uh, 
more, you know, more, he's becoming more sympathetic. I, I, I really appreciate that. And I like how Claremont's laying that out for us. Um, I really appreciate that. Uh, I do like the, the, the dream sequence that, uh, we see Peter experiencing, um, well, he's inside of, when he's, uh, inside Roberto, when he's consumed in Roberto. Um, I love seeing, uh, Shane Koi Man's sister and brother, his her twin sister and brother, um, or the twins, I should say. She's not their twins, uh, twins with them, but they're they, the two of them are twins. Um, I like that. I like that callback. I like a lot of it, but uh, it does, and I like the the we. I like that they're what Claremont has done is taken Lila Cheney and he's placed her in. Uh, within his universe, right? Now Rogue also knows who she is and knows the music. It's not just the New Mutants. Um, so it establishes her more within the Marvel Universe. We also have Sam acknowledging that, hey, this is happening. He is in a relationship with with Lila Cheney. Um, all these things are cool, cool things. I really appreciate. Now, I will say this. We went from that great, great layout of the mystery and to this issue, which does feel to a degree like it's treading water. I like seeing Ileana step up and have, uh, we get some more details about Ileana, Ileana Rasputin, but it does, you know, it does, you know, I do kind of question whether we needed a three issue arc here. Maybe we didn't, maybe we didn't. Uh, it's not what poorly written, and it's engaging throughout. But, you know, did we need to see the conflict with um, Tandy, Bowen, and Tyrone Johnson? Do we need to see their struggle to come to grips with who they were and to accept the mantle of Cloak and Dagger? But the work he does here sets up those characters, you know, to really have some depth they're more developed and there's more con you know they're more complex and that gives you know future writers if they were to to tackle it a chance for something more i i appreciate that so i don't think it's all a waste um but knowing that those characters never really get the fair shake they never get really well developed in my opinion uh from, again it's secondhand information uh it makes me question whether it was worth the effort, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's it's a solid issue. I really, I as always, I really like the artwork. I think Kevich can do no wrong in my book, and I enjoy reading Claremont. I really do. I like his I like his prose. I like everything that he puts on the page. So I don't mind digging through it, and I like, like I said, the the development that occurs within the story that is unrelated to the story arc. Um, I, it's really cool. Um, yeah, it's a good issue. And like I said, we're going to conclude this and then we're going to get into Legion. And that is a playground that is meant for Zinkevich. Uh, it's going to be fun to dive into that. I can't wait. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, hit issue 25. We'll conclude the Cloaking Dagger saga next issue. James explores the new mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and is produced by myself using Anchor app. 
New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant, via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episodes are available on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores the New Mutants. If you'd like to reach the podcast, another good way to do that is via the Anchor Messenger. It allows you, the listeners, to record minute-long questions or comments that are then sent directly to me. I can then take those comments and place them directly in the episode. So it's a really good way for you, the listeners, to get involved in the podcast. Uh, So if you have questions, send them my way. I'll do my best to answer them. Um, Yeah, so... That's the end of the episode. And till next time, keep reading those comics.